Hello, what's up? Welcome to the first episode of Browns Against the World podcast, a podcast by Browns fans for Browns fans. In this episode, we'll be discussing who the Browns selected with the first pick in this year's NFL draft. I'm joined by my co-host, Alan. Alan, who did the Browns pick and did they get it right? As you all know, the Cleveland Browns selected with the first overall pick in the 2018 draft, a quarterback from Oklahoma by the name of Baker Mayfield. Did they get it right? Yes, they did. And we will tell you why. Max, take it away. Yeah, I absolutely think the Browns nailed it with this pick, man. He was my uh, QB1 in this class, and with the numbers, it wasn't very close. Now, here I have some stats from Pro Football Focus I'm going to read off that I think just prove that. Here we're going to look at Baker Mayfield's passer rating under pressure uh, in 2015, 2016, and 2017. In 2015, it was 117.4. That's first out of 133 qualified quarterbacks. Then in 2016, he had a career high of 119.2, and that was first among 133 qualified quarterbacks. Then in 2017, it was 111.6, which was first among qualified quarterbacks. So I think that sort of debunks the myth that his offensive line was just this legendary offensive line and pressure never, ever got to him. Like, he did throw under pressure. Yeah, of course. I actually uh, I have his total stats right here. Uh, last year in 2017, 285 completions out of 404 attempts. That's good for about a 70.5% completion rating which is the highest out of Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. We won't even mention Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson because they're not really – they were never in conversation, let's be honest. Yeah. And Allen hype built up, but that was just all a smokescreen by Dorsey yeah. uh, with his big hand comment. That's pretty <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Last year he threw for uh, 4,627 yards, which again is the most out of Darnold and Rosen, who all took way more attempts than Mayfield did. Mayfield was completing passes at a higher percentage. He completed them for longer yards. And I, I don't know what else you could ask from a quarterback. Uh, if Darnold was really your number one quarterback, what else can you say besides the fact that he's six foot four and that he's your uh, prototype, he's your the bodybuilder you want? Because Mayfield had a higher yards per attempt, 11.5, than Darnold at 8.6 or Rosen at 8.3. Yeah, his yards per game wasn't that high. At a 330.5, I don't want to say that high, I mean relatively, because of course Rosen did have 341.5. He only played 11 games, though. Yeah. So his yards per game is going to be higher. Yeah. Uh, Mayfield threw 43 touchdowns compared to Sam and Josh's 26 touchdowns. Baker threw almost twice as many touchdowns. Not exactly twice, not, not you know, close, but I mean, what, 40, 50% more touchdowns than they did. Uh, he had half as many interceptions as Sam Darnold did with six. Darnold had 13. Rosen had 10. So he's also throwing less picks to more touchdowns than they are. Uh, the QB running that I have, every website does it differently. I believe I grabbed this one off of Fox Sports. Uh, it was a 198.6. If it wasn't Fox Sports and it was ESPN, I forgot to cite it. Please. Uh, the only, the only thing out of all those stats that Darnold had higher was his attempts. He had, Darnold had 480 attempts over Mayfield at 404. And the only thing that Rosen had higher than Mayfield was his yards per game at 341.5. And to be honest with you, I mean, I'm not really worried about yards per game and, and the college game with uh, how these defenses are playing. We all know that Baker plays in the Big 12 against defenses. Uh, we won't mention those right now, 
Yeah. That's definitely a good topic to think about. Uh, yeah, we'll also, probably cover that I believe, in another episode. Continue. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I also believe I should mention uh, fumbles. Baker had three fumbles this year for zero lost. Uh, these were kind of some – the fumbles were a really hard stat to find. So I'm hoping these are accurate. If they're not, feel free to let us know at our Instagram page at B-A-T-W podcast. It's on Instagram. Find us. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Uh, again, if it's incorrect, just let us know. Nice and, plug. And, yeah, nice little plug right there for us. <laughs> Sneak uh, that in. Sam Darnold had 12 fumbles this year. He had nine lost, which is a huge problem. We're, looking, we're specifically looking at that Ohio State game where the pressure was just absolutely insane. I actually go to Ohio State. I am a student there. Uh, so for me, watching that game, it, it was great. I enjoyed watching him get his butt whooped by uh, that defensive line. Uh, and then Josh Rosen had eight fumbles. I couldn't find out how many he lost because, again, stats are really hard to find on fumbles. Yeah. Which is on a, on a real uh, quick side note, really I don't mean to interrupt to you, but uh, as an Ohio State fan, uh, did, you didn't enjoy Baker Mayfield when he came to Ohio State, though. So I guess that's a positive that he's on the Browns. Yeah, that's uh, – so actually my father called me, my dad called me uh, after Mayfield was drafted. He said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, out of the two quarterbacks that were really in the heavy contention to be the number one overall pick at Mayfield and Darnold, uh, only one of them actually beat Ohio State at least once. So uh, and that, that was Mayfield, and that's who they picked in a – so, I mean, if you can beat Ohio State, I, I, I see anybody because I think Ohio State's the greatest team in the world. That's just me, though, being a homer here. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I actually, I, got, I did see uh, Mayfield live this year, so that, that was a, that an interesting it. thing to see. I mean, it wasn't a fun game, to say the least, but I did see before. Yeah, all right, so, I have some stats here, again. So, adjusted completion percentage. So, that's, it takes out drops uh, when the quarterback had to throw away. And he had 81.5% completion, adjusted completion percentage. And that's first out of all quarterbacks. Uh, on his pass rating on the deep ball, it was 133.1. That's third out of all quarterbacks in college football. His passer rating under pressure was 105.3. That was third among all quarterbacks in college football. His pass rating when kept clean was 148.6, and that was first. His pass rating on play action, 156.0, that's first. Pass rating on non-play action, 118.7, first. Pass rating on throws uh, over 2.5 seconds, uh, that is uh, 134.3, that's first. And then on ones less than 2.5 seconds, it was 142, which was also first. I mean, when you really dive into just the numbers of it, and you're not going into... You know, the look and what can this guy become, and you're not looking at ceilings. I mean, it's not particularly close with him and the rest of the quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and, uh, and uh, also, we should also mention, again, that every website uses a different formula for QBR. There's no one standard, which is why our QBRs are really different. Um, yeah, I'm using PFF, and they're known for having a pretty unique system themselves. Yeah, of course, PFF is a very unique, and they're a really, really good website to use. I really uh, enjoy looking at their stats and their advanced stats. Yeah. They do a really good job of uh, piling everything, make sure it's correct. And his adjusted completion percentage against Ohio State was 91.2. And, I mean, that's pretty crazy when you look at 
some of the players that were on that Ohio State defense. So, yeah, and actually he went against the number four overall pick in Denzel Ward right there, uh, which is really – it's just – it's it's mind-blowing what he came in to the shoe and did against that defense. Uh, yeah. His offensive line, it, I mean, it was fairly good. You had Orlando Brown there at left tackle, who actually I believe was a second-round pick. Uh, he had some issues at the combine, had a really bad combine, kind of fell down and tumbled in the draft. But, uh, you know, that offensive line did a really good job of, of helping keep him out of pressure against that vaunted Ohio State defensive line, which many consider one of the best in the country, uh, headed by Nick Moses, Sam Hubbard, uh, who sandwiched an NFL draft pick, uh, Tracy Sprinkle, all these great, great, great players on the defensive line. And they just weren't getting to Mayfield that night. And it's one of those. One of those uh, interesting things you have to look at when you do compare these quarterbacks is uh, how their offensive line did. Because an offensive line can tell some of the story about a quarterback's success. Yeah. Against Ohio State and the Rose Bowl this year, Sam Darnold struggled heavily because of yeah. his offensive line. Absolutely. But, and when you look at it, uh, there were times in the Ohio State game with uh, USC and Sam Darnold that when his offensive line failed or broke down, he would like he tried to run around. He was very loose with the ball, and it resulted in turnovers or just bad plays. But there was a, a few times during that game where Oklahoma's offensive line got bullied, and all you see is Mayfield. He makes a slight movement, evades, and then gets the rid of the ball. And I mean, that's really a trait that I think carries the most to the NFL. Yeah, if the guy makes plays. The guy can move, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, and, and with Darnold, when I was watching that game and, and, you know, kind of looking at him, analyzing him, looking at him from a, a football standpoint, he made throws. And he made incredible throws. There, I'm not taking anything away from him. But his work in the pocket, he looks like he's just not comfortable back there yet. He looks a little bit, he was, he was timid, and I get it. When you get sacked eight times in a single game, you're going to be timid against a defensive line like Ohio State. Yeah. But in the NFL, you can't let that get you down. You've you got to have a short memory, and he does not have a short memory that game. He was too focused on that defensive line to think about maybe holding one of the ball with two hands or think about getting rid of the ball quick. He was worried about what was in front of him when you've got to have that short memory, look down the field, deliver your throw, be on target, set your feet. And that's what Mayfield does so well is when he throws a pick, he has short memory. He looks at what he did wrong, thinks about it, analyzes it, forgets it. He goes back on the field. And I actually, I think I read, I can't bring up a source, I can't, you know, I can't remember who said it, where it was from, but I read that Mayfield led the nation in uh, coming back from an interception on his QBR, his touchdowns, and, uh, which was very impressive for, for somebody who many consider to be uh, too arrogant, too cocky, which I think is just a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very good uh, thing for him to have that short memory and to not get so focused on what happened in the past and just focus on the future. And one possession games, he also led the country and succeeding against defenses and touchdowns and passes and such. Absolutely. And going back to a point on Sam Darnold, I would not wish this fan base on Sam Darnold. And that's not because he's not ready right now. And Browns fans are so scarred from seeing terrible quarterbacks on the field. If you don't get a quarterback that can go out there pretty early on and look at least somewhat decent and look like he knows what he's doing, it's going to be pretty much over before it starts. I 100% agree with you. 
I think Sam Darnold's in the, in the uh, best situation for him right now with the Jets, with Josh McCown. Uh, Josh McCown is going to do wonders for him. That guy's absolutely great. Of course. And then there's also Teddy Bridgewater over there, who everybody seems to forget about, but he was having uh, quite the year for himself, and he was expected to have an amazing year until he had that horrific injury. Yeah. An awful thing. Uh, Max and I here love Josh McCown ourselves. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll never forget that play against the Jets when uh, in the first week, two years ago, when he decided to try to run for a touchdown. And if you know anything about Josh McCown, he did not have wheels. When he got to the goal line, he got spun like a helicopter, fumbled, got a concussion, and that put Johnny Football into the game. Oh, boy. Terrible memories. Oh, he thought he was Cam Newton that play. He tried to dive into the end zone like a Superman, but he like got like two inches off the ground and then got messed up. He got helicoptered, yeah. Yes. That was definitely interesting. So, in PFF's top QB season grades, Baker Mayfield has two of the top season grades, and that's 2017 and 2016. Uh, we're just going to ignore the fact that Cody Kessler's third because <clears throat> not everything works out. <laughs> and, I mean, he's higher than Marcus Mariota, higher than Jared Goff. And he's also uh, on there again in 2015. So he has three out of the seven highest quarterback grades ever given by uh, Pro Football Focus. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Oh, that's absolutely crazy, and uh, he, he didn't mention Cody Kessler on there, but uh, we all know how that worked out for the Browns. Yeah, uh, and honestly, there was like a couple things that you can't really measure with Cody, why he failed. Like He was pretty accurate, but he had no arm, and he was a statue in the pocket. Like If he had yes. Baker Mayfield's arm and a better pocket presence, he probably would have been good, but he just didn't. So that's really something you can't measure until someone gets on the field at the pro level. Yeah, so I think we should also go ahead and look at some of our uh, own pros and cons for each quarterback. Uh, so we don't we don't really mention Rosen too much in this podcast and this specific one right now because uh, he's just he was never really there for the Browns. I think everybody knew that, and uh, he he obviously had some issues this year with injuries, so he doesn't have a full set of stats. So, but we'll go ahead and mention him, and we'll you know we'll acknowledge that he is at least. Existing as a person, <laughs> yeah. so we got. He's on so the let's kind of Start with Knox. Well, we're gonna start with Baker Mayfield. Get it out of the way. We have his height, but I put it in quotation marks. Uh, you got like the quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and, and uh, Drew Brees that do succeed with their height, and I think uh, Baker does have a little bit of Drew in him. They their games definitely seem similar in the way that they both move. They're not really fast, but they can move. They are elusive. They both have strong arms. They both have incredibly accurate throws. But uh, my next knock on Baker, is, is he too fiery? Is he too confident? Uh, I that's Time will tell, I guess, as he progresses in the NFL. You gotta, there will be defensive linemen who are bigger than him. He's got to you know, pick his battles with them. Uh, we got to look at his footwork a little bit, work on that, clean it up a little bit. Most quarterbacks out of college do have issues with that. I'm not worried about it. He'll get it down. It's not awful. It, it does need a little bit of cleaning up. And he's got to improve on skiing the field. Looking at his first, his second, and his third read, obviously in college, it focuses on the first read. You look, you see your first read, and you throw it. That's how college is. But he has done progressions before. It won't When he goes to the NFL, it won't be his first time looking through his first, second, and third reads. He's definitely done it. But I think, you know, obviously he must improve and keep improving. Uh, 
And I don't think he'll ever settle for where he's at. He will definitely be the guy who comes and works and tries to get better every day at everything he's not good at. And even everything he's good at, he'll try to improve and get better. Absolutely. That's what's so impressive about him and his drive. And with the scanning the field, I, he does need to work on it. But at the same time, out of all the QBs coming out in this draft, I feel like he was probably the best at that already. So I don't think the learning curve is going to be too great on that. Also, it's height. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, they are outliers. Uh, you can't just compare every quarterback that is six foot to a Russell Wilson or a Drew Brees. And that's true. But the fact that Baker Mayfield was considered across the board a lock for the first round, I think he's already proven he's an outlier. Everything about Baker Mayfield to me screams outlier, so the height really doesn't bother me. I agree. Now, we got some knocks on Sam Darnold as well, of course. Uh, my first three words in bold and in large letters say turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. If I'm correct, he let the FBS fumbles by a quarterback. That's awful. That's not good. And yeah. he, he even has larger hands than Baker Mayfield, which is, it, it's just one of those things that you got, you, again, you know, you look at Baker Mayfield's height, and we can't, you know, judge him on his height, nor are we able to look at his hand size. He had, Baker Mayfield this year, according to my stats, had three fumbles with zero lost, Well, Sam had 12 fumbles with nine lost, but yet Sam's hands are bigger. So that also goes to show that hand sizes and everything, it's also about how you use your hands, and that's really important in the game of football at being a quarterback, you got to use your hands. Um, so yeah, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. His throwing motion is super long. It's elongated. He winds up. It just looks clunky. He can clean it up. It's not that bad. He'll figure it out. And uh, he seems nervous in the pocket, which we mentioned. And obviously, I cited the OSU game. Uh, he he just doesn't look good in the pocket. I mean, he, he threw for 340 yards around there. I mean, he obviously did throw good. Had good balls. He wasn't getting a lot of help from his offensive line or from his running back, Ronald Jones. But that also goes to the Iowa State defense for having a good lockdown defense that game. But he did still pass for quite a few yards, and he definitely did throw some balls. He just got to improve on feeling comfortable back there and willing to take those hits and cover that ball up and not drop the ball. Yeah, and going back to the John Dorsey's hand size comment, everyone linked him with Josh Allen because of the hand size comment. And then he comes out after the draft like, we measured Baker Mayfield's hands. He's got big hands. We love that. It's like, it was Baker the whole time? Uh, I thought that was pretty yeah, funny. Yeah. I think they actually measured Baker Mayfield's hands as bigger than they measured him at the senior bowl, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I don't know what, what you know, if we're using a Walmart tape measure versus a Home Depot tape measure, but I think they'll figure it out one of the days. Yeah, all right. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and finish wrap off the knocks with Josh Rosen. Uh, he has good size. He's 6'4", I believe. I read he's 218. But uh, his frame is just a fragile frame. He has a skinny frame, not a lot of muscle to him. Uh, it seems like him being 6'4", 218, that's just his size. That's just who he is. He needs to add a little bit of muscle to his body, a little bit of size. Uh, he obviously has fought through injuries in high school, even in college. He's had these bad injuries. Uh, his deep ball completion is not good. When I was reading it, I believe I read it's around 42%. That's not good for somebody like him who is vaunted as being a first-round pick. He went top 10. He went 10th to Arizona, of course. Uh, and then sometimes he can put too much air under the ball, which, of course, allows the defense to catch up to the pass and uh, pick it off, deflect it, or, you know, make a play, whatever. And, I mean, that's all, really, that's all I really have on Josh Rosen. All right, so moving on. 
Uh, let's talk about Big 12 defenses. Now, I don't have stats for the Big 12 defenses, but I feel like it's pretty common knowledge that they uh, are considered below average to poor. Um, but also, I just want to say on a quick side note, uh, Pro Football Focus say he leads the nation in throws on tight window pro-style throws. So are you really worried about the defenses that he faced in college and uh, if that's the only reason that he looked good? I can't say I am. He played Ohio State. Ohio State was ranked ninth in the country in defense this year. And obviously in the beginning of the year they had some issues getting their defense put in place and making sure everybody knew their responsibilities correctly. And he didn't play them in week two. But I, I'm not 100% worried about that because I feel like I just feel like he's able to to make the throws he needs to. And if you can make a tight window pro-style throw against one defense, you can make it against any defense, in my opinion. Because uh, if, if, you know, let's say you have Josh Gordon running a slant uh, and the defender is a yard behind him. Well, how about we compare that to college? Let's say his top receiver is running a slant with a corner one yard behind him. That cornerback is going to be one yard behind him in both situations, correct? Yep. So he's going to make that throw, no matter what. And that's just how I look at it. Now, you know, the NFL, the game's faster, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, every quarterback's going to be going through a learning curve with defenses. So Absolutely. Not, I'm not really that worried about it. Uh, I don't think it's that going to be that much of an issue. Uh, the, e- the Oklahoma offense gave Baker a lot of easy throws. A lot of people say that it's a similar offense that has, has made other poor QBs look better as like a, a Johnny Manziel. We ran a similar offense in college. So Sam what Bradford. do you say in Sam Bradford? What do you say to the people that the Oklahoma offense that gave him easy throws is the only reason that he put up the numbers that he did? Uh, I, well, that's every college quarterback. Every college quarterback is trying to make themselves look better. We look at JT Barrett. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him as number one, or no, top three, and uh, – quick throws. Well, if you watched any Ohio State footage this year, watched any Ohio State game, you'll know as good as I do that 50, what's say 50% of Ohio State's offense was him throwing a swing pass to the sideline. Uh, every, every football team does these passes, and every football team is trying just to gain quick yards. That's what the college game is about, it's quick yards. Gain those yards quick, getting your play called quick, doing everything quick. Uh, so I'm not worried about uh, Baker's you know, easy throw percentage either because we have seen him make those long throws, those tight throws, those intermediate throws. He has it all. He has a full bag of tools at his disposal. Absolutely. I was just going to get into that because when the Oklahoma offense called on him to make those pro-style tough throws, he always delivered. So that's something I'm not going to be worried about. Um, now, how do you believe he will fit in Todd Haley's offense? Uh, I'll personally, I'll go first. Me personally, I think he'll fit great. Todd, uh, he, a lot of people have this misconception that he just likes to throw a bunch of vertical routes, but uh, that's not true at all. He, he does do a lot of short concepts and he does a lot of stuff that Baker will be very comfortable with, uh, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I just really want to, I'm not really interested in, uh, with Baker Mayfield and Todd's offense, even though I know that's who it's about. I'm not sure it's interested in seeing how they use Duke Johnson, really. Uh, Duke is known as being our third down back who lines up in the slot or he'll line up uh, 
and the shotgun beside whichever quarterback we have. But we look at Le'Veon Bell development and Pittsburgh, and I can almost see uh, Duke having that type of role because Duke is that kind of uh, shifty back that Le'Veon Bell is. Now, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is probably more complete back with power, but I, I think Duke will have that kind of Le'Veon uh, mindset in Todd Haley's offense. And I just want to jump back really quick to when we mentioned the defenses. When Baker played Georgia, he lit them up in the first half. But in the second half, Georgia's defense really kicked in. And I think that's when you kind of have that Big 12 versus SEC uh, sort of look. Uh, the Big 12 really isn't known for their, their high-power recruits as the SEC is. And I, and I really think that Baker's offense was stymied because, A, the play calling was awful. If you watch that game, the second half was mostly Oklahoma trying to run the clock out by just running the ball. And, B, Georgia's defense really did amp it up, and they started to run uh, plays that seemed to mesh well with how their defense wanted to play the game. And they ran plays that seemed to stymie Baker's offense better uh, because they were just running the ball. And if you know anything about the SEC, they pride themselves on their run defense, uh, a la Alabama, how they pride themselves on yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, and Lincoln Riley almost took the ball completely out of Baker Mayfield's hands that second half. He really had uh, no choice. I mean, I feel like he threw not that many passes in that second half, if I do recall. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I could pull stats up, but who really needs those? We already know what happened. Yeah. This is our version of the story. And let's face it, everyone saw it. All right, so <laughs> yeah. does it even matter how he fits in Todd Haley's offense because – Will the coaching staff be here after this season? I mean, uh, Hugh Jackson's 1-31. Obviously, everyone knows the magic number and is uh, two years as the head coach. So if he gets off to a rough start to this season, is he gone? Like, what would you say? How many wins does he have to have to keep his job secure? I'm going to set the over-under at six and a half wins. I think, I think if he goes, well... Five, five and a half. I think if he goes under five, he's gone. If he goes over five, I think he's safe. I'd say that. I could definitely see a situation where the Browns go five and eleven, and Hugh Jackson's fired. Yeah, because I mean, the Browns right now, in my opinion, are eight and eight. Easily, easily eight and eight. Absolutely. Um, a lot of Browns fans might be worried. Like, all right, if Baker somehow gets on the field, let's say there's an injury or something. Will he be ruined like Deshaun Kaiser? Now, uh, let's get your opinion on that first. Can Baker Mayfield be ruined similar to Deshaun Kaiser? So, I actually, I don't want to use Deshaun Kaiser here. Because Deshaun just wasn't technically sound enough for the NFL, in my opinion, yet. But who I want to look at, actually, and who will tell you themselves that they were not ready for the NFL, is none other than Mr. JFF, Johnny Football. Uh, he, when he got on the field, when Josh McCown was injured, we're going to look at his second year. Everybody was expecting him to look better and to play better and to look like he knew what he was doing. But he just didn't know the offense. And when he went on Joe Thomas's uh, podcast, the Tomahawk Show, with uh, Andrew Hawkins also, Johnny even admitted to you know Joe and Andrew that he just wasn't into the playbook. He didn't really care enough. He didn't take it seriously. Uh, so I think that, you know, as long as Baker, if he does see the field, I think as long as Baker is in the playbook, 
Uh, I think he'll do okay. Uh, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about him not being ready because I think there's enough supporting talent for once in Cleveland's history. There's enough supporting talent around a quarterback to finally say that I'm okay with if he played. I don't want him to. I want him to sit this whole year. But I mean, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, and with Tyrod, if Baker wins the starting job, it is because he is a hundred percent ready. Uh, so I'm not worried about that at all. So let's get into a little bit of the national media's reaction to the pick. You had Colin Coward saying that the Browns had a chance to get the best offensive and defensive player in the draft, and they failed at both. But let's stick to the first pick. Do you? Uh, how do you believe that the national media has reacted to this pick by the Browns? Uh, it's, it's overall interesting, to say the least. You got Colin saying that it's awful and it's the worst. You had... Uh, Aaron Goldhammer, I believe is his name, of Cleveland Radio, saying that he would eat horse poop if they drafted Baker. And uh, when it came down to it, actually, Aaron said, no, no, I can't do that. Because he backed out, of course. Realized he ate his words. Tony Grossi, Grossi, uh, a beat writer for the Browns, who I'd say generally everybody dislikes, uh, said that he would retire if they drafted Baker. And, of course, he didn't retire because he's not a man of his word, which why nobody likes him, of course. Uh, yeah. And uh, there was some positive out there, but I, I overall believe that people are reading too far into Baker's cockiness and his height to realize that the numbers never lie, and this guy has numbers. He has massive numbers in it, and I just don't see how people could really discredit him for that. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just get into that really quickly. Uh, people like to compare... Baker, and Johnny Manziel. And I just want to put that dead right now because they are totally different players on the field. Um, in Baker Mayfield's last two years in Oklahoma, he ran for just over 400 yards. And Johnny Manziel ran for over 1,800 yards in his last two years at Texas A&M. I mean, Baker Mayfield operates from the pocket. If, if he gets out of the pocket, he's looking to throw. Uh, whenever Johnny got out of the pocket, he was looking to run. So I just wanted to get that out of the way really quick to show that they're completely different quarterbacks. I agree with you. And then just to touch on the fourth overall pick in Denzel Ward at Colin Howard saying that we should have picked Bradley Chubb. Uh, I think this goes to show you how much Greg Williams values Emmanuel Ogba, which is a name that Browns players forget about because he was injured last season. Actually, I believe he had an ankle injury. Uh, Ogba was having the top season by a defensive end. I against the run in the NFL before he got injured. Ogba really developed this this turning into somebody, and uh, I'm really hoping that he can also improve his pass rush game, and then we can put him in there on third down in obvious passing situations with Miles. And, and uh, you know, they value the pass rush. And like, uh, like Greg Williams said, if we take a corner in Denzel, that's going to give our defensive ends more time to get the quarterback, which is all they need, really. They just need some time. If you don't have those quarterbacks to, to cover the receivers and the quarterback gets the ball out in less than two seconds every single play, it's not good for your defense. Yeah. And with having Denzel, they're hoping that they can increase that time it takes to throw the, throw the ball and then allow their defensive uh, line and linebackers to get there and get the sack. Absolutely. It doesn't matter who you have on that defensive line. If the quarterback can just get rid of the ball right away, uh, no one's going to be able to get to the quarterback. So I think the Browns made a great pick with Denzel, and we're going to cover that in the next episode, actually. 
So let's get into Baker Mayfield's frame. I feel like because he's six foot tall, people have this misconception about his frame. And he's actually pretty stocky. Like, he's got a good frame on him. I'd say he has a better frame than Josh Rosen does. So how do you think his body will hold up in the NFL? I think he'll do just fine. Uh, if you saw that Sports Illustrated magazine cover of him, uh, he's definitely a very stocky man. And I, I, I have no question about his durability. He's a tough guy. Texas kid. He's used yeah. to taking those big hits and landing. Yeah, in his uh, four years in college, he only missed five games, and that was his freshman season at uh, Texas Tech. So I absolutely have no issue with that. Now, Baker's uh, throwing mechanics. I think, other than Josh Rosen, he had the best one out of all the QBs in this draft. I mean, when you throw it, he looks like a pro quarterback throwing it. He looks very comfortable, uh, which is something I can't really say about Sam Darnold. I agree with you, definitely. Definitely pretty natural back there in the pocket. All right. So a lot of people think that this first overall pick is going to come down to this. How good will Sam Darnold be when he is 23 years old? Has ba- Have we already seen the best of Baker, and have we not seen the best of Sam Darnold is the question most people have. So what is your response to that? Do you think the Browns should have gone with the uh, high, high upside guy? And how good will Sam Darnold be when he is Baker's age now? Yeah, of course, and that, and uh, and we say Sam Darnold's twenty three because that's how, that's how old Baker is. He's twenty three right now, a little bit of an older rookie, I guess you could say. Um, Sam Darnold, I, I believe he's what twenty max. Is that correct? I, I think he just tur- just turned twenty one, or he's going to turn twenty one before sure. the season starts. Turn twenty one, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's really what it came down to, in my opinion. We we've seen Baker uh, for. I guess two more years of his life, if you can say that, if you want to say that, then we have Sam. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how Sam develops under uh, Josh McCown's tutelage, uh, the Jets. Uh, and I really think that Baker is going to have a good season this season, learning under Tyrod Taylor, because him and Tyrod both have a similar playing style, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about the uncertainty of this pick. I mean, you had some uh, reports like two days before the draft that the Browns are interested in Baker. It could be Baker. But no one knew for sure. It could have been a Baker, Sam Darnold, God forbid, Josh Allen at number one. Like I had, I was very worried until uh, Goodell announced the pick. What were your thoughts on how the Browns kept this pick a secret basically until they announced it? I mean, I just I go to the front office and John Dorsey – uh, they told the story, there was a reporter who kind of covered the Browns during draft season, and they told the story of uh, when they walked into the war room and they saw the big draft board that team has on the wall with all their picks, how they have them ranked. Uh, Dorsey had the had the top four quarterbacks all vertical instead of horizontal as a ranking, and he had them in no certain order. In fact, the order he had them in is the order that they came to the facility for their private workout. So on the board, he had Darnold, Mayfield, uh, Rosen, and then Josh Allen, but they were all vertical, so there was no order to them. And I, just, I really, you know, give it to uh, Dorsey for really keeping the pick pick secret. There's a report out there that he told the Haslam's about four weeks before the draft who he was taking, and then he told Hugh Jackson two days before the draft. Not sure if that's true, but if it is, again, I give it to him. He's trying to keep it under wraps. Nobody in that room knew. 
until the draft started and he walked in and he turned all the names sideways and said, this is how it looks for us. And then he told Hugh Jackson, let's make the phone call. Let's get it done. And then, uh, of course, you saw that video of him calling Baker Mayfield and uh, hearing Mayfield get emotional, realizing that after walking on, becoming the first walk on Heisman, now this walk on will be the first walk on to be the first overall pick. Yeah, it's truly an incredible story. And speaking of Hugh, uh, we said earlier that the over-unders at five and a half, if he wins five or less games, he's probably gone. So let's say the Browns go five and eleven and Hugh Jackson is fired. Do you think having Baker having drafted Baker Mayfield that that would open the door for Lincoln Riley to come in and become the coach? Uh, Lincoln Riley, for those of you who don't know, was uh, Baker's coach at Oklahoma. Uh, is that he's a younger coach? A lot of people are saying that it could be like a Sean McVay type of situation if they did that. What 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 are your thoughts if the Browns went in that direction? I don't think so. I think it's just as likely as Urban Meyer coming in the NFL. It's just not. I mean, Lincoln's not in position yet. Yeah, he had a good season at Oklahoma, but he's really got to contend for at least a national championship and not just be in the playoffs. He's really got to take that, you know, you got to take that team to the next level, and uh, he's got to improve that defense, that Big 12 defense. You can't be giving up 40-some points to Oklahoma State. That's not good. And he's really got to uh, exceed under adversity this season because now he's losing his starter, his Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield. Uh, he's really got to... Know, step up and and we gotta see what he can do without that good quarterback, without that strong man to help. Uh, I believe that they actually have uh, Kyler Murray. Is that sound right? Yes, Kyler Murray. Murray. Um, yes. So we'll see. I mean, I think the kid has skill. I yeah, I, be I believe according to PFF, he is the quarterback that has the most potential for a breakout season and a breakout Heisman season in college football. I think he has like a. 94-something potential grade, which is actually really high. So I think I think it really just depends on how Lincoln Riley does this year. If he takes his team to that next level, let's say he wins a national championship with Kyler Murray after Baker's gone, I think that can propel him right into talks. But uh, we'll get into that after the college football season. Of course. Um, do you think the Browns will install RPOs into this offense since they drafted Baker Mayfield, and that is one of the things he was known for in college? I think we should look more at do you think they'll install them now they have Tyrod Taylor. And I could definitely see it. And I think the RPOs are a great play. They work super well against them because it's, it's not something that's heavily used in the NFL yet. And I think it would be interesting to see them use them. Absolutely. So my one concern with Baker, well, a uh, main one, and it's one that I think he can get quickly, but how much trouble do you think he's going to have from under center and going under center and learning to do that? Um, it's a curve to learn, but I'd say with how hard he works and how you know how much he uh, puts his mind to things, I think he'll be okay. I'm not stressed about it. Not something I think about too much, but I, I think he will get him right, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, I remember uh, an episode of Hard Knocks when Jared Goff was a rookie. He was tripping o over his own feet trying to get out from under center. So that certainly would be something interesting to see Baker trying to do. How? Who do you think he will develop a connection with during camp? A wide receiver that he just clicks with immediately. Do you think there's one on this team? I mean, you have to look at who's on this team right now. You have Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry. 
Uh, I'm sure you have some of the other receivers that, whose names don't need to be mentioned, <laughs> Corey Coleman. Um, and you have to look at who's going to be on the first string, which is going to be Tyrod Taylor and then probably those three receivers that were just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Look at second string, you're going to have Drew Stanton backing up Tyrod Taylor. Not sure who uh, the second string receivers are. Uh, Ricardo Lewis, maybe. Is he still on the team? I don't yeah, he's still on the team. Point. I think the second string receivers are probably going to be similar to the starters from last year. Probably going to have Lewis, Higgins, people like that. Higgins, yeah. And then you have to look at third string, which will be with Baker. Is I think that'll probably be your Antonio Callaway, uh, who they drafted this year. So I def- I actually, that was, I was leading into that, segueing into that. I think Antonio Callaway would be the player that you I was absolutely going to say, I think they're going to tear it up during camp. I think you're going to see a beautiful connection with Baker and Antonio Callaway. How do you expect the QBs, and we're not just talking about Baker, we're talking about all the quarterbacks on the team, specifically Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield, to look during OTAs and training camp, and who do you think will have the best camp and summer of the quarterbacks? So I expect Drew Stan to look like Drew Stan, which is a backup who really isn't good. Uh, I expect Tyrod Taylor to look like Tyrod Taylor. I mean, you've there's plenty of film out there. You've seen what he's capable of. And I think he's that quarterback who is above average. He is excellent at not committing turnovers, not so good at getting the ball downfield. And I think that'll be what we see from him, really. It's just an efficient quarterback. And I, I think Baker's going to come in with that same chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to try to win that backup job over to Dan. And I definitely think he has a chance to. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think Baker is going to probably have the most ooh and ah plays in camp. So, uh, let's face it. If he's a little bit better than Tyrod, Tyrod's going to get the starting job. So, if he ha- if he is going to get the starting job at all, he has to come in and be leaps and bounds better. But I'm confident that he can win the backup job in camp. Yeah, of course. So, uh, his college rival, Mason Rudolph, was drafted by the Steelers. Uh, do you think Mayfield versus Rudolph will be continued in the NFL, or do you think Mason Rudolph is just going to be a backup forever, basically? Uh, Mason Rudolph's one of those interesting guys. I actually I liked him better than Sam Darnold out of college, which I probably sound stupid, but uh, I liked his throwing motion. Uh, he led the nation in uh, throwing yards, and uh, he probably had more attempts than everybody else. I'm sure he did, but just one of those things that it's hard to predict quarterback success. Um, uh, Mason will be learning under uh, Big Ben, and Big Ben actually just came out and said yesterday or today that he'll be playing for three to five more years. It's crazy. He was thinking about retiring this year. I thought this dude's been thinking about retiring since like 2012. Yeah, he should. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I think it'll definitely be something that to watch in three to five years when Baker and Mason both hopefully reach the field. I would love to see Baker versus the NFL. Yeah, I think that'd be really good. And I just want to say something. I think Baker Mayfield was the perfect quarterback for the Browns. And I personally think he was the best quarterback in this class. But even if he wasn't, I think he had to be the guy. And it's because he has overcome adversity time and time again. I mean, you look, he was the first player in FBS history to walk on and win the starting job as a true freshman. He then walked on at Oklahoma, had to sit here, then won the starting job. I mean, this guy has overcome odds his entire life, and I think we need someone like that to turn around the Cleveland Browns. I completely agree with you. And, uh, well, I'm out of points.
you have any more points, Max? Yeah. Um, with the height that a lot of people are concerned about, he had the least amount of balls batted down at the line of scrimmage out of all the draft-eligible quarterbacks. So I think that's just another nail in the coffin of his height being an issue. It hasn't been an issue yet. Yeah. I don't think it's suddenly going to become one. I agree with you, yeah. His movement in the pocket. Uh, he is pretty frenetic, and I think you can keep some of that. Because if you look at Peyton Manning, he was he appeared to be very jittery in the pocket. He was always moving his feet, uh, moving his shoulder, looking for lanes to throw in. And I think that's similar to what Baker is doing. I feel like his body appears to be jittery, but his mind is calm. And I feel like it's really what's going on in your mind that determines uh, how good you are in the pocket. I agree with you. I hated watching Peyton Manning because of his freneticness. It made me nervous for him. <laughs> He wasn't nervous. He made other people nervous. Um, his yeah. arm. I feel like there, a lot of there's this myth that because he's six foot tall, he doesn't have a strong arm. In my opinion, he had the second best arm to Josh Allen. But I feel like he's more consistent with his uh, throwing power because sometimes Josh Allen can throw a ball and you're like, wow, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then sometimes he just throws a ball and it looks like Alex Smith is throwing it. So what are your thoughts on his arm? And do you think then it's going to be an issue, and do you think he has no arm talent? I think people underrate his arm, honestly. I think he definitely has the ability to throw it 50, 55 yards, and I've seen it. I mean, let's be realistic. In the NFL, you probably never actually throw the ball in the air more than 50 yards. And I mean, as long as you can get it past that 50, 55 threshold, I think he's fine. Yeah. Josh Allen throwing at 70 yards is nothing but a ploy. Yeah. I mean... You might throw like a 65-yard bomb if it's like before half or at the end of the game. But honestly, Josh Allen being able to throw 80 yards, what the hell does that do? You're not going to have the opportunity to have receivers get 80 yards down the field. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous yeah, for in-game situations. that fast. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about the people that say, well, God, you could have picked Saquon at one and got Baker at four? I think it goes to show you uh, what the Browns value here. They don't really value that running back at number one when they have a Carlos Hyde, when they have a Duke Johnson, and when they probably have other running backs like Nick Chubb, who they did draft, Tony Michelle, uh, when they probably do have them up there on their big board. Uh, so, I, I actually, I really, uh, I thought about taking one at one and then picking Baker at four or Sam Darnold at four, and then when I thought about all the other running backs that were in the draft, I realized it would be a stupid decision. This running back draft class is loaded. Yeah. And I think it was stupid people saying we could have got Baker at four. I, I, that is a no. I mean, it's come out that he was the Giants and Jets' number one quarterback, and they were at two and three. And, in fact, over half a dozen teams had Baker as the number one quarterback. And then the story comes out, I believe uh, two days ago, or maybe yesterday, that Baker Mayfield's agent is saying the Patriots would have tried to move up to two to draft him. And, I mean, if Bill Belichick goes all in on a quarterback, I I'm trusting that we made the right decision. Yes, I 100% agree with you. And then you have Sean McVay saying that if he didn't have his quote-unquote ride or die with Jared Goff, he would have also sold the house to take Baker Mayfield. God, that, that has me really feeling real nice about taking Baker. Um, do you have uh, pro comparisons for Baker? Pro comparison? Um, I could give you the stereotypical. Brett Favre gunslinger. That I mean, their their size is similar, their arm strength is similar, uh, their play style is really aren't similar. Brett Favre was way more creative in the pocket, outside the pocket. So, 
we'll like maybe take Brett Favre's uh, uh, bravado and Brett Favre's flair, and you know a little bit of Joe Namath flair maybe, and then put that in like a Drew B, Drew Brees body type uh, with the arm of with the arm of maybe like a Deshaun Kaiser, but then the accuracy of uh, that Drew Brees type. Do you have my notes? I mean, come on. I mean, I have right here written down. Mine is a mix of Drew Brees and Brett Favre. That was that's what I had written down. So I mean, great minds think alike, I guess. Uh, what are yeah. your expectations for him in his rookie year? His rookie year, uh, just at the bench. I don't think he'll get off the bench. Uh, that's pretty much mine too. I mean, best case scenario, I mean, I guess he could win the starting job, but realistically, I think he probably. Looks good in preseason, not enough to win it, and I just think we hear about him learning. And uh, I feel like there's going to be a time where Sam Darnold starts the season and he looks okay, and you're going to have people like Colin Coward saying, look, the Browns aren't starting Baker Mayfield. They made the wrong choice. But I believe that after this year, uh, we'll be proven right in the choice that we made. I agree with you. And some people say he faced no competition. So I just have some notable opponents here written down. Oklahoma faced Ohio State, Oklahoma State, TCU, West Virginia, TCU again, and Georgia. Now, some of those teams don't have great defenses, but their offense is their defense. So those aren't easy teams to beat. And Mayfield against Ohio State was 27 of 35, 386 yards and three touchdowns. And that was against the number nine uh, ranked defense in the country. And he faced Georgia, the number... What was that? I, I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot about uh, your, your scar from that. I won't mention that again. Um, he faced the number three ranked total defense in the country in Georgia, and he looked great in the first half. But then again, we, we do have to give credit where it's due. Georgia turned it up in the second half. Uh, but he also had the ball taken out of his hands, basically, in that second half for no reason. So, do you got anything else to add about his on-the-field play before you get into some character concerns people have? Uh, no, I mean he's just like he was a young college kid, and I'm not not too worried about that. That's just him uh, trying to figure out who he is as a person. I think I think that after his mistake with the running with the police at the food truck, which uh, John Dorsey actually commented said that he knows Baker's whole order at that food truck because he questioned him so hard. Okay. But uh, I'm not too worried about it. I think uh, Baker will be okay, and John Dorsey felt comfortable with it. The first thing John Dorsey said when he met Baker Mayfield was, so how's that food truck? <laughs> that's pretty funny. So, now, the running from the cops, that's bad. I can't sugarcoat that. However, I believe that was one mistake, and I, I, he hasn't made any mistakes like that since. Uh, in my opinion, that is an outlier of the person he is. I feel like that is yeah. just an off situation that I don't think happens again. And I agree with you. And that hit that he took, man, he's definitely durable. He's like, oh, yeah. So uh, we have I have that written down. He's not the most mobile guy. He did get caught. <clears throat> so the flag plant, I don't really have an issue with. I mean, other than the fact that maybe he tried to plant a flag into artificial turf, I mean, that might not be the smartest thing. But other than that, I don't really have an issue with the flag plant. I have no comment. <laughs> no, no comment from the Iowa State fan. So the crotch grab against Kansas God, I mean, if you look at what Kansas was doing that game, I think they were more scummy than grabbing your crotch. It was pretty funny, not gonna lie. 
And when he told him to go cheer on basketball, I think that was hilarious. <laughs> so, everyone at this point knows. So, that's uh, the end of my character concerns with him. Uh, I don't think there are any. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. We'll see. We'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. So, everyone at this point knows the hee-hee story. But stuff like that is also why I think he's the perfect guy for the Browns that can turn him around. I think he is a mixture of the highest floor and the high, highest ceiling. And uh, I'm really just ecstatic about this pick. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Definitely. I mean, is there anything else you'd like to add on Baker Mayfield? I don't think so. And I actually have a story for you if uh, you've got all your points over with. Yep, all my points are done. Share your story. Alrighty, so uh, I'm an avid listener of the Tomahawk podcast by Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins and No Fake, No Face Dan, NFD as they call him. Uh, so they were telling a story of, uh, I believe it was the 2014 season when the Browns were like seven and four. Uh, they were having some quarterback unrest because Brian Hoyer had done pretty poorly in the past few games, and the fans were chanting Johnny for, during the game, and it was it was an absolute mess. Uh, Mike Penn wasn't sure to handle himself, and it, it just that season was a complete train wreck. Uh, so the story goes that uh, Josh Gordon and somebody were playing Madden in the lounge, and this is after Brian Hoyer and Josh Gordon got into a fight during practice because something had happened. Well, Brian, you know, comes in the lounge and sits down, and he sits beside Josh Gordon. Josh really isn't happy about it; he's kind of mad. So, uh, who knows what Josh was on, by the way, obviously. So, Josh pauses the game. He goes into the roster. He takes out Brian, puts in Johnny, restarts the game, looks at Brian in the eyes, and then goes back to playing the game. Doesn't even say anything to Brian. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I think it's just good to show you, like, what was going on that season was not good for the culture at all. It was very yeah. poisonous. But I thought it was a funny story. Yeah, as hilarious yeah. as that story is, that just shows that what that team was like that year. I completely agree with you. All right. Oh, my God. All right. Well, in the next episode, we'll be covering the Browns' fourth pick in the NFL draft. So until then, this has been the Browns Against the World, Episode 1. Thanks for listening.